This is Rilo's Quack Chat. As a call maker, I enjoy talking shop with other duck call makers. On this podcast, it's all about duck calls and duck hunting. From the marsh to the duck call shop, we're going to find the story behind the duck calls and the people that make them. This is Rilo's Quack Chat. Hey, hey, everybody, how's it going? This is Riley Hendrickson with Rilo's Quack Chat, talking about duck holes and duck hunting. Coming to you at 44,000 sample rate from the Quack Chat check. Oh my gosh, it's been a couple weeks. I'm so sorry. Um, things get busy, and man, I'll tell you what... Uh, uh, yeah, so it's one of those things where I'm trying to get people scheduled and then like, you know, just trying to get those things going on. And, uh, so yeah, one of the guys that I talk to, um, almost daily messaged me and he's like, Hey, uh, if you want a guest, uh, I'll come on. I was like, okay, well, let's do it uh, in two days then. So, so yeah, so I'm so honored and, uh, um, yeah, so happy to have, uh, one of these guys. He's, he was actually on a little snippet when I, uh, had some guys come on a little guest thing. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite local call makers, Mr. Ron Davis. Ron, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Uh, besides good. that botched intro, <laughs> it was a little <laughs> rough, but it was okay. Um, no, man, how are you? Like, what, what have you been doing? Like, what have you been doing with calls lately? Um, here this past week, I've been catching up on orders, getting some uh, short read goose calls done, and uh, trying to keep looking at this pile of material to get calls ready for uh, up and coming real foot. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I I forgot to bring this up to you earlier, but uh, when you told me back when you were coming back from Colapalooza that you and your wife were uh, hitting up some antique places in Terre Haute. Did you take 70 back home to Ohio? Yes. You literally passed where I'm at. Like <laughs> 70 goes right through my town. Oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe next time we'll meet up or something. Yeah, yeah, I think next next year the plan is to go that way on the way to Colapalooza. Mm. So that's what we've talked about, but that's a long ways away. Yeah, yeah. How's your, um, how's the antique uh, stuff going? Uh, now, did I see that you saw a uh, old call at an antique shop? Was that you? Yeah, I used, yeah, it probably was me. Um, I found, yeah, usually it's, uh, a Loman or Folk or something, but every once in a while you find a, you find one laying out there that is in my budget. Mm-hmm. You know, but not very often. Not very often. So it's the hunt that's the best. Um, but the antique, uh, the, the wife's antique shop, she runs with her mom and her sister, and it has, its, has a good day, has a bad day. There's no rhyme or reason why, but, you know, so... It just clicks along, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Ron, I mean, I've, I've heard some of your story on uh, good old Chris um, Adams podcast. But, man, we, I mean, over in Ohio, what what's the hunting like? I mean, you had 
if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, I mean you had some big hitters like Fred Zink over there. Um, I mean, I- am I correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fred was Fort Clinton, which is probably the best. I guess he actually started down by Dayton, Ohio, mm. somewhere down that way, and then he moved up to Port Clinton, uh, moved his business up there, which that area is right on the Lake Erie, mm. and it's probably the premier waterfowling spots in mm. Ohio. Where I'm at um, is not quite that premier. Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of farmland, a lot of uh, farm ponds. You know, we do dry field hunting. Um, you'll get a big push of ducks mm-hmm. right at the end of season or like last year, right after season ended. You know, so um, we, we'd have a good population of uh, Canada geese. We chase them around real hard. and uh, You know, mostly field hunts for them. We'll set up at a pond, you know, a farmer's pond or something and, uh, wherever they're coming in at. So now, I don't think, go ahead. I don't think it's the the best waterfowl hunting around, but you know it's what we have, and we we have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. It. I mean, it, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky. I hear the same thing. We don't have a lot of everything, but we have a little bit of something. <laughs> I mean, we. Uh, yeah, it's it's it's. We aren't uh, definitely on a flyway, that's for sure. No, no, I'm kind of in between them. Mm-hmm. Um, Eastern Ohio, they'll get a good flyway. Um, the western, like the western basin of Lake Erie and stuff, is is real is better, you know. So I'm kind of in between them, and you know, we we do the best we can with what we got, and have a lot of fun in between. Yeah, how long have you been duck hunting? Um, I've been getting about 27, 28 years. Oh, wow. And it, yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow. So, so you started later in life duck hunting? Yeah, I was, uh, was in my mid twenties probably when I started. Um, the guy at work, he was, you know, they were going out and, um, in his words, it's like, Ronnie, Ronnie, you got to come with us. Man, we just blast the hell out of them. Just come on. We're, we're shooting geek. <laughs> come on. Come on. You got to go. Um, I was always into a lot of trap shooting and, you know, those types of games. So shotgunning was and uh, deer hunting, you know, a little bit during deer season once a week, you know, once right. a year in the week. But, uh, yeah, so it was that day, you know, finally I'm like, all right, I got to go buy a license, an extra stamp, and <laughs> I got to get these silly shells you got to use, and my, 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 and went the first day, and the rest is history. <laughs> was it lights out that first day? Um, Or was it just enough to get you hooked? I think it was just enough to get me hooked. I don't think we had a big banger limit, uh-huh. uh, but there was probably four or five of us. You know, we each shot a couple geese each. Um, the first one that came in, they let me shoot at. And uh, from there, you know, watching them decoy and stuff like that from there, it was like, man, I got to get me a, I got to get me a goose call. And it's just been, been a money pit ever since. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why we're call makers, right? Just to pay for the addiction or some of it. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's a little bit nowadays. Yeah. 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 The um now what was your first duck and goose call? Um it was my first goose call was an old 77. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I think I paid $12 for it. <laughs> no the, way. And steered all the way home with my knee trying to learn how to use that thing, you know. Yeah, it probably sounded like a kazoo all the way home, didn't it? Yeah, and then it was, you know, it took a while to get those first quacks out of or quick couple honks out of it, and then, uh, you know, just kept working at it. Yeah, you know, just used that call for a couple years. And, mm-hmm. um, gosh, I don't know what I went to after that, but it was for a long time I hunted a, a flute, you know, a, a long river flute call. Ooh, how did you like the, uh, uh, the, is it Big River? Big River, that was it, yeah. Yeah, how did you like that? Um, at the time, it was the one I used. I liked it, I had uh-huh. success with it, and, you know, used it for many, many years. Until, you know, every, until you, until every, you know, you, you need a short read. You need a right. short read. And then, trying to figure out how to use a short read. Um, I was even up at Zinc's shop to get one retuned and some instructions from uh, Field Hudnall that day. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, it ended up being the the polycarbonate part of the call was cracked. Mm. So they gave me a new, new exhaust, new guts, new reed. Um, they set me up. Basically, the only thing I went home with was the barrel that I started with. Hmm. And never charged me a dime. Wow. You know, so I'm running around like, here, let me get a t-shirt. Let me get some of this. And, you know, they're like, no, no, that's that's what we do. I'm like, cool. And that was the Hudnalls, or who was that? Um, that's when they worked. That's when, I'm sorry, Clay. Field had already left. Field was, Clay was still there. Oh, and, it, uh, was it Zinc, or where was it? At Zinc. At Zinc. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's hilarious that him and Field lived in Zinc's basement. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. funny. Yeah, but, um, yeah, well, real quick, what do you think of this, like, flute revival that's been going on for the last two years? I think it's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's it's given a... There's still a market for one. Mm-hmm. So it's revitalized it, and... You know, if you're a call maker, it's that extra challenge to make one. Yeah. Do something different, but um, I don't know about you, but I've used a short read for so long that a flute is like, oh, what is this? It don't sound very good anymore. Yeah. You know, but there's, I mean, I know, well, I have an Andrew flute, and it's, uh, it's nice to use. It, It really is. Makes a good sound. Still has that that flute sound, but um, I look at it this way: if everyone's using a flute, uh, short reeds and trying the same notes in the same way, the guy maybe with a flute or an old resonant call may have a chance. You, you know, right? It, it could. It adds that variety into your calling. Yeah, 
Yeah, I haven't um, had a short read for a year because last year I was a dummy and I had an order come in for a short read and I was out of guts. And guess whose guts got put in that order? Who's? Mine. Oh, <laughs> what you said. <laughs> he, he, he messaged me later. He's like, those are some of the nicest guts I've ever had in a goose call. I'm like, I am glad you enjoy them because yeah. I'm not going to. <laughs> and I just haven't bought any yet. And then uh, I got on the goose flute craze and uh, just bought one of those old Loman flutes. And I'm piddling around with that thing. Yeah, and I even I picked up a an old, not an old, yeah, an old, uh, that old eight, what an eight fifty, old eight fifty, yeah, modified yeah. or unmodified, unmodified. It was still in the box and everything. Oh wow! So, yeah, so yeah, it was a mid sixties, is what I've heard. Oh. So, wow! It, it's hard to yeah. find any olds that are unmodified these days. Yeah. So. Left a lot of meat on the bones, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, man. People, people. Those keyholes and the old A fifties, man. Everyone's just uh, modifying those things like crazy. When I mean, there's only so many that were made. I mean, we're going to eventually run out. Sure. Yeah. 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 But when. Ron, how long, I mean, how long was it before you thought to yourself, I think I can make a duck call? Um, I don't know. I made, I made my first call in 2010. Uh-huh. So that's been 12 years. Um, so the 12 years before that, I guess I never, I never really thought about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until... I seen a guy at a craft show had some parts he made with a lathe. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, wow, that's what I need. I need a lathe. Yeah. Then I, so I found a lathe, an old craftsman. Yes. And uh, just you know, then it's like, well, now you know, I can make a I can make a duck call. You know and. So the first uh, handful of them, they, I'll admit, they were stuffers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got through that, and I started, you know, playing around, getting, making a tone board and learning how to do that. Progressive, you know? Yeah. And as I met people along the way, um, you know, the, the fancy call part of it came in to play, you know, the more custom calls than just a than just a regular hunting call, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so start looking at that, and then that's where the laminating it all started. That's that's awesome, man. Some of your laminates, man. I mean, was it was it like a sunset? I think you did on one of your laminates. Yeah, that there's is... a couple like that on there. How long uh, did that take? The first one was uh, the one I called the March Sunrise. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I'm going to tell you the month of March. You know, because it had to be ready for a mid-April contest. Mm-hmm. So I 
the only thing, only time I can remember about putting that together is I was over two hours trying to figure out how to clamp that sunrise part to glue it. Hmm. It kept moving this way, that way, that way, but I was dry fitting it until I got something figured out, and it's like, okay, now we can glue this. Mm-hmm. And you always hope they stay together. Yeah, that I mean, if anyone gets a chance to see that piece, oh man, that that duck calls or was it a duck call or a goose call? Yeah, it was a duck call. Yeah, that yeah. was made for the fancy call contest in uh, Chicago. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean, you're going to Callapalooza, you go to the fancy call festival, you go down to Real Foot. I mean, do they all have different feels to them? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What's your favorite? Like, I, I mean, what's what's the difference between them? I mean, what do you like about each one? I guess, well, since the Fancy Call Contest was my first, and that's where I really met, like, Brian Byers and uh, some, of, some of the guys who have been, how I got to meet Howard Harlan, Rick Kigger, those guys were all there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the founders of, of that. And then just just the stuff they had around that show with the decoy show, you know, um, just the old vintage stuff. Just I just eat that stuff up, and so that that whole show was just special. Mm-hmm. One, you know, it's the fancy call contest. It's it's got the history with the Callmaker Collectors Association. Um, it just is special to me. I enjoy it. Um, it's it's because it's different, you know. But you got so much more there now that you know with the vintage decoys, the vintage decoy auction, the the room to room trading in the hotel, and different things that just make it so unique. Hmm. You know, you can talk to the decoy people, to outdoor collectibles people, uh, pick up a couple extra shot shell boxes or old ones, or just things you know that that's to me is what makes that show it's the whole it's the whole thing and that's you know, the you, fancy call per, show yeah you prepare for it you get ready you get your call ready you, you enter it you know and that's you got those whole anxiety and nerves leading up to it but um the you know and then just when it seems like once that's over mm-hmm. there's just a big Ah, with everybody, and you relax, and you sit down, and you have a couple drinks, and just chat, and the camaraderie mm-hmm. there that is with that group, you know. Um, Call a Palooza, it's the same. Basically, it's the same group. It's just a different atmosphere. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's held down there. Everybody knows it's held down there at the R and T shop, which is a great place to visit. Right next door to Mac Curry Wings, you know, historical Stuttgart, Arkansas. Um, and it just, to me, it's just something I've, once I went, I really just, I enjoyed the good time. And um, whenever you get together with your fellow call makers, mm-hmm. it's it's always special. You, you meet new ones, you get to see the ones you haven't seen for a year. Um, and, you know, you leave there with new friends. Reuniting with old friends. Um, Real foot's the same, 
you know, and you add in the part of the working call contest down there. Um, so, so that's special. But um, once you're, I think once you're at Real Foot, if you've entered Real Foot and never have been there, I think you walk away after you after you're there, different. You know, it's not the contest is there and it's an important part of it, but you've got just it's such a relaxed atmosphere. Um, lots of call makers from all over, collectors. Just you know, it's just more relaxed, more good time. Maybe a bigger party, I guess. As you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what I like about those three and the difference and why I like to go to each one. Yeah, um, yeah. It's uh. The man, the fancy call show. I mean, some of those calls that were in that this year. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Now, did Jeremiah Klusman? Did he enter a couple calls, or am I wrong? Yeah, he did. I think. Um, I think he got second place. Professional. Yeah, he got second place in the uh, professional class mm. up against uh, Richard Patterson. I'm looking at the, the, the newest issue of the hail call from the Callmaker Collectors Association. Hmm. Yeah, the uh, I'll tell you what. Rick is a duck call samurai. Man, that just, that Celtic flute he made, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, man, and, and I heard the stories he has are just awesome. I need to get him on here oh. eventually. Oh, you better set you better set aside a few extra minutes. Oh yeah, <laughs> can he talk for a while? Full board. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's good stuff. I mean, he knows so many call makers from the past. Yeah, and. You know, stories about them, trading calls with them, buying calls off of them. Just, yeah. You have so many people from in the past that he knows about call making and history of it. He's fun. He's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. Now, have you ever been down to the NWTF, that competition down there? No, I've never been down there personally. I have entered it in the past. Yeah. But I've never, never went down. Yeah, it's man. I'll tell you what. It's um, my uh, father. He actually, uh, he. I was talking to him. I think it was two weeks ago, and I was like, you know, I probably won't make real foot again this year. He's like, nah, let's go. So, I think uh, yeah. my father and I are going to go down to real foot this year. So, oh, that's good. That's good. I think um, you'll you'll meet so many guys. It's going to be a a really good good turnout um and you, you like you said you get to shake hands with guys you've probably talked to on the podcast the guys you see on you know on facebook um so yeah like one guy said that's when your virtual friends become your real friends once <laughs> you get you know now does um everyone wear like little lanyards with pictures of their calls so we can identify them <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I know Rusa, 
by his calls. I've never seen a picture of Rusev, yeah. so I have no idea what it looks like. Well, yeah, just stand by somebody and just say, hey, who's that? <laughs> and you oh, okay. And, you know, once you, yeah, and then just just mingle around and talk to people and introduce yourself and um, you'll just be surprised who you meet, who you've seen online, seen their calls. Yeah. You'll know their name and you'll know their work. And, um, yeah, you'll, you'll reckon you'll, and then from there you'll you'll know who they are. Cool. Yeah. That that's the thing though, like I know a lot of guys just by their calls. <laughs> like, oh, I know. It's I know. it's hilarious like so I'll be talking to someone on Facebook and I'll be like, "Oh, I know like I'll ask them what's the latest duck call you've been working on?" Like if we're talking on Facebook just so I can see their call so I can realize what their company <laughs> is. So, yeah, the um, what was I gonna say? Oh, but uh, yeah, you said uh, what? What days? Okay, so let let's talk about real foot. So if anyone's listening to this, I mean, this goes on over what from Thursday to Sunday, or what? What day should people get down there? Give give me kind of give I the would, new guy the information. I'll tell you what we do. Okay, we get down there late afternoon Thursday. Uh-huh. Maybe in the um, get settled in Friday, because um, a lot of people will be set up in the one area. Uh, you know, trick selling calls. Um, sometimes uh, Mel is there from uh, Wood Dynamics, big trailer full of beautiful blanks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah. So he, Friday is kind of uh, there's not much going on other than that. But there's, there's, you know, people are there. They're hanging out. They're trading calls. They're talking. And then uh, Saturday is the contest, the working call contest. And mm-hmm. there's usually a couple of seminars that they have. Nice. Do you know what uh, seminars are going to be there? Yes, I do. I heard just yesterday. Oh, is this a big announcement? I'm sorry. <laughs> Big announcement. This is the big announcement part, yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. You got a drum roll or anything you can throw in here? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't believe I accidentally did your big announcement now. I'm sorry. Go ahead, though. Okay, no. Um, it was just discussed uh, there'll be, that I know of will be two seminars. Uh-huh. One, one will be presented by Ryan Russo. Ooh. And he will be uh, going over his process of making a metal reed, real foot style tone board. Perfect. Yeah. So if you want to know anything, you know, about the tone board, Ryan's going to be there. Probably will go on for about an hour. Um, I don't know what time of day it's going to happen. Hmm. That hasn't been brought out yet, but he will be there demonstrating or talking about the metal reed tone board and his process of mm-hmm. making it, tuning it. So yeah, it'll be it'll be good. I mean, it'll be if you have any interest, whether you interest want to make a metal read or not, um, listen in because you're probably going to learn something on just anything, you know. Yeah. And then uh, the second one is a uh, a laminated duck call process by myself. No way. 
Yeah. Oh wow. I haven't. I know. I did. Uh, but anyhow, I, I'll be doing that. I'll be going through uh, the laminate. I don't know if it'll be the brick brickwork or um, if there's people listening between now and then. You got questions on how things are put together? Maybe we can discuss that. I have done two other laminated brickwork uh, seminars in the past. Uh-huh. Uh huh. One was at Real Foot in 2019. And then I did a laminate brickwork uh, demonstration seminar at Colapalooza in 2020. Oh wow! So yeah, so those what time that of the day is that's going to happen on those two seminars? They'll probably run somewhat back to back, based on what there's what I think I've seen for the uh, contest. I think the contest is going to run in the morning. Mm-hmm. Or at least sign in. Um, you know, so you know, just keep an eye out on on social media. Um, for the there should be a flyer coming out in the next couple days, in a week of 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 that information. Um, as far as the working call contest, um, enter. Yeah. Uh, do, oh, if you if you only and and read the rules on the. Uh, Callmaker, this is for everybody out there. Uh, definitely, you want to read the rules on the Callmaker Collector's website page, um, www.ccaacalls.org. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody, just just take a look at those. Know what class, you know, metal read, wood calls, acrylic, open calls. What what fits in those categories and um, make a call, enter it, and uh, you know there's an amateur class, and it says the amateur class. I think it said on the flyer that Ryan Deering had put out the amateur class. You can enter, and you don't have to be a member of the CCAA. Mm-hmm. But I would highly recommend that you do become a member. Right, it's a great organization with a lot of history. Um, they're the ones who put this contest on, get the prizes lined, you know, lined up. Uh, any of any of the contests, the fancy call contest, the even the NWTF, they're highly involved with that. Wow! So you know, to help support that organization, um, you get a quarterly newsletter. It's short, but it's it's very nice. It's well put together. Those guys work hard on that. Hmm. Um, but you know the real foot. Yeah, Ryan Russo and myself, Ron Davis, will be doing uh, seminars, and uh, on Saturday down there, Saturday October eighth, and then uh, the contest is that day also. Um, wood category, you know, metal reeds, uh, an all wood call, plastic reeds, acrylic, and open call. Then there's an amateur class. Um, so, so it's a good time. Um, if if anybody are available, I'd suggest uh, you and your dad would call before this airs. <laughs> call and uh, get your reservations down there wherever you can. Right, right. You know, so so don't don't delay on that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're looking for it, and I hope to have a handful of calls made to to trade or sell myself. So. Yeah. So, as a call maker, um, 
I've heard this that you usually want to take down a handful of calls just in case you do some trading. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of trading going on. I'm not saying it's big on call sales. I mean, it can be, mm-hmm. but you take down your, your, your stuff and trade. You never know what you're going to come home with. Nice. Oh, you're going to come home with, you know, a working call, um, you know, to checkered or laminated call from somebody. And um, I've brought home some, some nice ones and just trades. And that makes them even more special, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. The, um, uh, so the competition is on Saturday. Yeah. Okay. So if you would, I mean, we roll in Thursday. We're there Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and we head out back home to Ohio Sunday. Mm. And it's kind of similar, kind of common most people. Um, if you can't make, you know, Thursday night, you, you roll in when you can Friday mm-hmm. and, and then hang out from there. It's a beautiful place right on the shores of Real Foot Lake. Yeah, you'll you'll enjoy it, Riley. You sure you you will. There's no doubt. Yeah, yeah. It's man. Last year it killed me not being able to go down there. So this year I'm I'm pretty excited to go. It'll be cool. Yeah. And I mean, you and Ryan Russo are both putting on the seminars. And I mean, you guys have uh, been in each other's shops working on stuff, right? Yeah, not in the last little bit, but yeah, we have before. Mm-hmm. I went to his, been over here. We worked on things. Uh, we've shared notes back and forth, especially on these short read goose calls. Trying to develop our own guts and different things. So, yeah, it's nice to have him that close. Mm-hmm. Um, other guys, you know, around me, you know, Matt Hochran, he lives a little further east. Um, he's been a big, big help, and uh, he was a really big help. And I always call him my mentor on tone boards mm. for calls, you know. So he he was. It's nice to have those guys um, close by. There's a couple, couple others that you know, but yeah, he's. He, I don't think he's been over to the new shop yet, but back in the old garage days, he was over. Nice. What was it like, Ron? I mean, today, I mean, look, I've learned when I decided to throw the J-frame in the garbage and go Louisiana tone board, I mean, I literally watched videos of Dale Bordelon and watched how he did his thing, um, and that's how I learned how to do my stuff. And, I mean, there's videos on how to make J-frames and all this stuff. Uh, what was it like back then with, I mean, were you looking at the THO forums or what were you working off of when you started? Yeah, I was working with off the THO forums and the tutorials that the guys put together. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't get a lot of tone board information. Nope. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, so um, you just, you just had to sit down and um, just start filing away, you know, just, you know, mine, my first, I made a, it's still sitting here in my shop, but a wooden jig. 
And I had to figure out, you had to figure out how to hold it, how to drill, how deep to drill, you know, and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and, and still today, there's not a whole lot of dimensions or measurements of a tone board out there publicly. You know, <sighs> but yeah, it was a lot. I learned a lot off of the guys from THO. Um, you know, just that whole group, which is still a pretty good group from on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was, it was kind of neat. Um, but yeah, that's where I was, I guess, cutting my teeth on call making and tips and tricks and finding people a tutorial on how to, you know, a laminated call to, you know, whatever, you know, to even goose guts. There was a nice article a guy had written up, wrote up, and uh, you know he, he even had emailed me a, a nice file for. Of course, it was how to make it, but it didn't have any measurements on it. <laughs> I think I got the same article. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but but yeah, it but it, once you kind of see, and even those things help because you. You see the process of how to get there. Mm-hmm. And then you can start developing from there. And that's where the trial and error, you know, of making a duck call and where to, how deep is your tone board, how deep is your tone channel, how high is your tone board, you know, what's your deck height, what's just all those things, that little things here and there that you just start playing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, yeah, I mean, the, you guys that had to start with the THO forums, I mean, oh my gosh, that's, oof, I mean, there's, there's so much stuff that, I mean, even on call nuts, there's so much that people share about tone boards, you don't really keep the type of secrets anymore. I mean, did you have, has the call making community grown? Have you seen it grow? Um, numbers wise, oh yeah. heck yeah. Um, as far as the information that's shared, mm-hmm. I think I think so. I, I think it is a different uh, one. You've got more; it's more accessible to talk to people because you can message them on Facebook. You can, you know, uh, you can watch some YouTube videos and things like that, mm-hmm. and, and it's helped. Um, but just just the camaraderie. Of call makers is it's a brotherhood. Yeah. Um, I guess the best example, my the first year my wife went with me, twenty twenty one to call a palooza, and you know we we did our whole little trip and we get down there on the way home. She's like, Ron, I see it. She says, I see what you mean by the brotherhood. Really? Yeah. There wasn't, you know, hey, my call's better than your call. There's, you know, you, you don't, you know, everyone has their best call. Don't get me wrong. But, mm-hmm. You know, down there, just, you know, then the true friendships that you meet, you know, and she would witness, you know, those guys, you know, talking to me and the passion we all have for what we do. It's uh, it's a great thing. I mean, made some lifelong friends and look forward to seeing them for the rest of my life, I hope, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, it's it's just I mean, there's a brotherhood amongst duck hunters anyway. But I mean, a duck hunter that knows the struggles you've gone through sanding on the tone board for 45 minutes and then you have to end up just throwing it away. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean there's no other people that understand that pain. No. No, you understand and you, you know, you just, you encourage people just to keep trying. Don't give up. The, the sound is there. You just, you gotta just work your way through it and it'll be there. Yeah. You know, Ron, what's, what shocks me is, I mean, I've only been doing this since 2018 and I have had, when I started, um, Rob Lund lives, I don't know, 30 minutes away from me. So, I mean, that was pretty close. And then I've had two other call makers in the last year and a half. One popped up eight minutes away from me. A really good guy. Uh, feet down custom calls. Great guy. And then a new guy popped up 30 minutes away from me on the other side. Um, huh. I'm like... Holy moly, there are a lot of call makers popping up if they're popping up that close to me. Yeah. Or is it just me? I mean, is well, every... well, I think it has, it has grown. Uh-huh. Um, and um, anybody I've talked to that's wanted to, just you know, just tell them, just enjoy the ride. It's, it's a good ride. It's fun. Um, and you're going to meet some great people along the way. Uh, you know, another one that I ended up, we got to know each other because we ended up hunting together one day, Anthony Rayon. Mm. And he's about an hour and a half west of me. Mm -hmm. But he hunts in that that good area out there. Um, a lot of good marshes, a lot of good public land right up along the lake. I'd gotten drawn or was able to go on one of those public land hunts and... There wasn't people around here that were able to go that day, and I ended up getting hooked up with uh, Anthony. And he was—he had made one call at the time, so we were in the duck blind and in that uh, refuge. We were sanding on a tone board and playing around, and I mean, we both—we ended up getting our limit of mallards that day. Um, it really was a great day. It made it. I had I'd met him before, but, you know, really got to know him better that day. And uh, now he's making some really good, and he's a really good duck caller. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he enters the contest. He's He likes the contest calling and that end of it, but he's also working on, I know as soon as he gets his house done, I'm sure he'll be back at it, um, working on, you know, some of the decorative stuff too. Nice. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna you know he's gonna come along, be a great call maker, and uh, so yeah, so he's not that far away. Other than that, I haven't heard anybody else really pop up around. Mm -hmm. Um, I did meet a guy this past weekend at a decoy show. He used to make calls. He lived south, quite a bit south of me. You don't really don't make them. Trying to remember his name now, but I can't. Hmm. Older guy. But yeah. 
But you just meet so many. Just have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, uh, what was that? I, I've got to ask you a question. Where did you find that? Is is that uh, the background you use for your call photos? Is that like an old ammo box or what is that? Yep, yep that's an old ammo box, an old Peter's ammo box from, I don't know, it's got to be back from the 40s or 50s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one of my other collections is ammo boxes, so that one... That's just an iconic one with that duck flying in it, mm-hmm. the picture, the printing on it. I thought, you know, why not? I you look for something that helped stand out, and that was it. Put a duck feather in there. Oh yeah, yeah. I I instantly know when your photos <laughs> pop up because it's I I instantly know which ones are yours because of that ammo box, right? Um, I mean, there there are certain call makers, they just figure out their little thing that they do. Um, and everyone, as soon as they are scrolling through pictures, like if I see an ammo box, I know it's Ron Davis. If I see a duck call with flowers, I know that's Chris Tordokas. I mean, the, the, everyone has their thing. Um, yeah. And uh, mine is just a dirty lathe with sawdust. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay too, you know. Yeah, yes. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I just I had started. I think I had an old sign of some sort in the background. Something, you know. We we liked that old vintage look, um, the barn siding and stuff, and it just just kind of went into that, you know. Mhm. Yeah. It's um yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean the the photos, I mean as a call maker that's how you identify whose calls are whose. Um and I mean for potential customers just that cool look. I mean that that ammo box is slick. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um no, maybe I need to just just uh, get just like a dry erase board and put it behind it and just write random crap like Paul is dead and see if anyone. Just, <laughs> what is he doing? Like, what is this random crap? Um, no, but Ron, um, yeah, we we talked about real footman. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to. Uh, yeah, definitely you and uh, Ryan Rusa. I can't wait to sit through those i mean is are they usually packed i mean do they have a room there that the well, it was outside okay um, at the, yeah there at the eagle's nest um and overlooking the lake um yeah um there's the good gathering around a picnic table mm. oh and um i couldn't couldn't tell you there's 20 25 people gathered around um, in the past, I've watched Jeremiah Klusman do a carving demonstration. I've watched Whalen do a checkering. Um, Brad Samples do carving. Um, Whalen who? Thompson. He checkers? What He could do it all, man. I've never seen Whalen checker. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm pretty sure it was a checkering seminar. Hmm. 
And, uh, you know, the, then the cool part is, is, you know, when I did my seminar, who's on my right shoulder? Brad Samples. Who's looking over there? Here's Jeremiah Klusman. No uh, way. Here's Ryan Russo. Here's, you know, those guys listening to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, and I was, you know, even when I did the one down at uh, Callapalooza, you know, Ken Easton, Derek Jackson, uh, Jeremiah Klusman was in there. Uh, gosh, I know I'm forgetting. Casey Mullins, he had just started out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claude, Cloud, Cloud, can't remember his last name now. Him and his dad, Donnie, were sitting in there. You, you know, those guys. Now they're, and then, you know, if I'm looking at the audience, who else is sitting in there? Sean Mann. What? Yeah, from the Eastern Shoreman, Sean Mann. Where? Was that Colapalooza, you said? Yeah, yeah, 2020, he was down there. Sean Mann. And, and then, and he sat through my seminar. No. And, oh yeah, yeah. And and I'm like, I was, I was, I guess I could say I was starstruck by the audience that I had. Yeah. And they were there, and I was just overwhelmed that they were there to see what I had to say, see my way. Um, and they're all good friends of mine now. I mean, including Sean. I mean, we would talk every once in a while. So, you know, those are the things that when you go to these gatherings, whether it's wherever it's at, mm-hmm. the, people, the guys that you get to meet that are there are are the best part. And ladies, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, we do yeah. have a couple lady call makers these days. Right, right. So, so yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you, you meet, meet these people and, um, that's the best part. But, Have you had a chance to meet Joe and Emily Butcher yet? Yeah. Um, I've met them briefly, talked to them both real short at uh, Call of Palooza this year. Mm. But I didn't get to really talk with them, you know? Yeah. Are... Well, a little bit more than his daughter. Yeah. Are are their calls as impressive in, in person as they are in photos? More so. You're kidding me. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you always see those calls, but when you get to see them, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's, you get to see the depth and the detail down in them mm. is amazing. It's amazing when you really get to see some of these calls in your hand, sitting in front of you, the carve, the, it's just, the workmanship is astounding of what these people can do. Yeah. Do you, do you think the reason, do you think the reason that we have like the class of 2020 and some of these guys, they're just hitting the ground just hitting the ground running and doing all these crazy things is because the camaraderie and because of uh, like you and Ryan Russa are going to do these seminars because back in the 80s you had um, all these older call makers that the only way you learned how to make calls is if you uh, apprenticed you had an apprenticeship under them and you couldn't make a call until they died 
I mean, do do you think it's the reason the cult community is moving forward uh, so quickly is because people are just, there's that camaraderie and people are just willing to share anymore? Um, yeah, I do believe so. And I, I hope I hope that is. Um, one is the information is more readily available. Mm-hmm. Uh, the equipment to do things, the, the blanks, the, the parts, the, it's all just clicks away now. You know, so you know to get a, to get some bands come in to get uh, blanks of any color, shape, size, whatever you want. You know, maybe because of some of that is the technology that's more readily available. Mm-hmm. You know, you can in a few clicks and a message, you can order stuff from one side of the country and have it shipped to the other, and it's there in a week. Yeah. So, you know, then maybe back in those days, I mean, those guys didn't share information. They were a little bit more hardcore. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't, uh, you know, but um, in the end, they all were really good friends. You know, they would get to these gatherings, uh, Real Foot, Point Moulet, the, the World Finals, the duck calling contests, you know, they had more. These guys had to get to those shows to present their work because there was no internet. Yeah. So they had to pack up and go to a show. They had to go to a waterfowl show to show their knuckles. And, um, you know, there was no Facebook just to put it on, have a Facebook page, and you're off and going. You know, they had to pack up the car. Make sure the kids are taken care of, take them with them, whatever, and head to these shows to, you know, try to move their their calls in front of waterfowlers. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's. I I think the community is doing really well. I mean, you lo- see some of these calls, and they're just some of the the talent is just out of this world. It um, sure is. Just, I mean, every day. I mean, whether it be a cannon or a new cut down or whatever. It's just, it's like, will you guys just stop for a second? <laughs> just, I, I forget who it was. Who was it? Their lathe broke down. Um, who, Oh, it was Cody law. And I commented on the, he said, my lathe broke down. I know, don't know what I'm going to do. And I commented, I know what everyone else is about to do. We're about to make sales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. yeah. And there's some of these guys, I don't know how they raise a family, go to work on a real job, and kick out the calls that they've been kicking out. Yeah. Yeah. They're just yeah. human CNCs. Yes. Yeah, so. Oh, in the world. Um, <laughs> uh, sometimes I struggle with that time thing, you know. But. We're, well, you're a laminating guy. You got to take your time. Yeah, you got to let the glue dry. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, before we go to our last three questions, um, first, before I ask you how people can find you, uh, type bond one, two, or three, which is your favorite? Um, two, but I would use three also. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. 
And then the other thing on while well, you're talking glues, the tip I was given, it's watch what materials you use. Some of like the epoxies and stuff like that give uh -huh. you darker glue lines. You mm -hmm. know, just just naturally, just you know, watch that. Um, keep a nice square, flat fit. You know, your fit up is is important before you make your glue. And, um, you know, wood to wood, I use Tape Bond 2 mostly, but Tape Bond 3, they say it's waterproof, I don't know. The only thing I don't like about 3 is it has dark laminating lines. Yeah. That's the only thing I don't like. So, I mean, if you're doing it, if you're doing like a maple, you better use 2. Yeah, but That's... pretty much Tape Bond 2 is yeah. my, my go-to. Um, you know, just depending on the material you're putting together, Tight Bond 2, JB Weld, and CA Glue. Yeah. That's probably the three I use the most. Nice, nice. Now, Ron, if anyone's listening to this and they want to, uh, they want to, uh, figure out how to get a call from you, how, how can they find, how can they find you? Um, Facebook, they can find me at uh, Ron Davis Custom Calls and Woodworks. Um, then there's my Ron Davis personal page. Also, um, they can send me a message through either one. Instagram um, is Ron Davis underscore calls. Um, they can find me there and send me a message. Probably the best ways. Cool. Now, do you uh, make to order, or do you just make a call and put it out there, and or how do you do that process? Um, pretty much make to order. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, with the occasional, hey, I got an idea I'm going to try, and mm -hmm. throw everything else to the side, start making it. But generally, I try to stick to the ones I have on order as I have the time, and, you know, just work from that cool cool all right well ron are you ready for the final three questions i do believe so all right have, have, just curious have you thought about these oh every episode i would listen oh <laughs> uh, okay so if you could go back in time and go to one hunt and do it all over again what would it be uh there's one that always sticks out I mean, um, it was, I, I was trying to think of this the other day, how I even ended up off of work during Christmas time. But I ended up at a spot, a little pasture with a little pond in it. It was flooded. Mm -hmm. um, it had snowed like five or six inches a few days before, and then we got a bunch of rain. So, I mean, this place was flooded. There was weed seeds floating, you know, and the ducks just, the, the picture to this day is still amazing. And I was in there at every, I don't know, like I said, how I ended up working off work and nobody else was, I don't know. So I was by myself and I had my four mallards and I was back to the truck before my coffee got cold. And I always wish I could go back and have somebody with me on that day. Because that's how great it was. Just the picture, the sounds. Mm-hmm. You know, but but that one stands out. You know, there's there's other great days that we've had. 
whether it was a limit or just the fun, but that one, that one I'd like to go back and visit just, just to hear that sights and sounds of those wings coming in and the ducks and it was, it was pretty neat. Cool. Cool. It, it doesn't that always happen whenever you go by yourself, something awesome happens. Yeah. And then when you take someone, nothing happens. <laughs> uh, it would have been, I think, if you had had a good group of people, man, you could have massacred the ducks, really. There was just that many. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, the second question, if you could go on a hunt and take three people with you, I'm talking friends, legends, heroes, and I'm going to add this from now on, and a dog, that's an option, uh, who would they be? Well, if I could go back, I did a lot of hunting with my my two uncles, my Uncle Max, my Uncle Dale. Um, you know, I'd always like to, to revisit a deer hunt with Uncle Max. Um, once I started waterfall hunting, we were actually waterfall hunting behind my Uncle Dale's house. Mm-hmm. And he was retired, so he would walk back there. He knew the guys. He knew their grandma. He grew up, you know, and uh, those were special times. Um, third person, um, I couldn't. There's so many people I'd like to hunt with. Mm-hmm. You know, to take them on a hunt, that list is as long as, you know, I am tall. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not one person. I mean, I got, I got some great friends that I hunt regularly with. Um, we enjoy each other's company throughout the year, um, but there's just so many people, you know, call makers, those types of people where you just would like to hunt with them. Yeah. And a dog, um, I try not to get choked. I like to hunt with my second lab I ever owned, Dawson, one more time. Was it an awesome dog? Uh, he was, for me, he's probably the dog of a lifetime. What color? Black. Yeah. Black. He was a smaller dog, fast. We ran so many upland dog trials and trophies and ribbons with him. Um, He was easy to train, just all around good. You know, never, never lost the drive to go. And, you know, just that would be the one I would. I mean, I've hunted with some good dogs, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. to hunt one more time with my Dawson dog would be um, a dream come true. So so he did trials, too? Yeah, we, we ran upland trials that had a... There's some, there some bird clubs around here that hold a upland hunter's trial um, on Sundays. Mm-hmm. So you'd run basically from Labor Day to uh, the end of March. Um, every just almost every Sunday there'd be a trial somewhere in Northeast Ohio, and you know you would you know get a ribbon first, second place, maybe a little plaque. You won. Um, you get ten minutes to go out, find, flush, shoot, and retrieve two pheasants or chuckers. At the end of the year, if you had placed, you got invited to the winners' trial and a big banquet. And it was a whole day of just fun. And, Dogs, people. So yeah, we did that. Probably during that time, I did more of that than I did waterfowl hunting. But nice, 
Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. A lot of fun. All right. For the third question, <clears throat> if you could stand behind any call maker of all time, present, past, deceased, still living, um, and watch them turn a call, who would it be? And I'm warning you right now, if you say Brad Samples, you're getting crap for it after we end this episode. <laughs> I hate Brad Samples. <laughs> um, I mean... I would never turn down the opportunity to work in the shop with Brad. Uh, I listen. I'm not gonna lie. But, I would love but, it too. <laughs> but but that one answer, if I would could go back in time and stand over the shoulder of a call maker uh, named Bill Clifford, or maybe known as William Clifford. Ooh. Have you seen his? Do you know of his work? I think I think. Didn't you post something about him? I don't know if I did. Okay. But anyhow, he built a brick style call mm -hmm. back in the late 40s, early 50s, 1940s, 1950s. Mm. Um, I've seen those calls. Um, they go for good money. And, uh, you know, so that to see his process of laminating, and he was a tile setter, so he was very particular very you know detail oriented mm. you know just i just picture a shop that's maybe not well lit um well how did he what did he use how did, how was his techniques it always makes me wonder so i would love to to go and, and watch him mm. Mm. yeah that'd so be cool fun. and then you could we could run down a list from here to your house of call makers that it would be great to sit down with, you know, current ones. But. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got the samples. You've got the Haddons. I mean, some of these guys just – you butcher. I mean, you've got some of these guys that are just ridiculous. Yeah. Now, I have been in Andrew's shop and, you know, um, talked. and maybe, maybe we drank a beer or two. <laughs> and uh you know but andrew's one that i i know i, I talked to him weekly really yeah we share pictures of calls and just just back and forth quite often his finish is just stupid man the finish yeah. on his calls that's just unbelievable yep yeah, he he. Uh, I work hard to try to intimidate or duplicate those on each CA finish I do. He definitely's got a just a little bit of a technique that just makes him shine. Mm hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's so funny because I was telling that about to the new duck hunter or uh, duck call maker. I said, that's the one thing that people, you know, it used to be tone boards. Now it's finished that everyone's so quiet about. Um, that's kind of the big secret is the finish on calls these days. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, there's so many of them mm -hmm. that, that you really could use. Um, CA finishes and then all the different oil finishes that you could use. And Velvet. Yeah oil and different things and 
different concoctions that people mix together and pour and burnish in there. And, oh, you're talking yeah. about uh, Ronnie Turner's unicorn juice, whatever that that concoction is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's that. There's I've heard a couple different variations of that over the time. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. You know, so it's it's what it's what you like and. You know, it just keeps it different, but yeah, it's the secret, the secret sauce, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ron, man, I'm going to close it out, but was there anything last you wanted to talk about or plug before we uh, close her out? I just encourage everybody to um, participate. You know, if you can't make it to Real Foot, send a call in um, just, just because, I mean, it's, um, don't don't get wrapped up in the scores and where you place. Just just enjoy the ride. Um, put your best call out there that you can. If you're out there and you're thinking about it, but you're scared, don't be. You know, take your time, build the best call that you possibly can, and throw it in there and see what happens. Um, look forward to meeting you. Um, hopefully, a bunch of other guys and ladies down at Real Foot. Um, just can't wait for that weekend to come around. Yeah, I, I'm excited, man. I can't wait. Yep, stop by, see Ryan, see myself. Um, like I said, if somebody has anything they want to kind of know about, send me a message. Um, laminating, maybe it's a little part that we could discuss down there. And, um, you know, I can add to it and try to make it a little different than what I've done before. Cool, cool. All right, well, Ron, man, thank you so much for uh, being a guest on the uh, podcast, man. I really appreciate it, especially since you were like, hey, let's do this. And you uh, just jumped right in, and we got this episode done. I, I, I've i uh, been slacking, so I really appreciate you pushing me. Huh? A little about, I seen your note about it or something, and like, well, this was a good week. I'm pretty much available, so... But yeah, glad to do it. Uh, glad to be on. Appreciate you doing this. I've enjoyed the episodes, um, listening to everybody's stories and how they started, where they started, and uh, it's interesting. You know, keep up the good work. Thank you, thank you, Ron. Well, if you don't mind, just stay on, and I'll close close her out real quick. Okay. All right. So this, so yeah, that was Ron Davis, and yeah, so definitely. Uh, set your calendars for real foot. Look that up. I can't even think of the dates right now, but uh, look that up. Um, and yeah, go down there and get a chance to where you can see Ron and Ryan Rusa uh, do what they do. So, um, yeah, so till next time, this is Riley Hendrickson with Rilo's Quack Chat. <laughs>